Good morning, my name is Adam, I'm the discipleship pastor here, and I cannot express to you how excited I am about The Incredibles 2, except to say this, that I bought opening night tickets for myself, for Cohen, my four-year-old, and for my wife, because we also have a four-week-old, and when I told Emily that I got her a ticket also, she thought about it for a second, she was like, yeah, I'm not taking a four-week-old to the movie theater, and I was like, okay, well... Cohen and I are definitely going still, right? Like, is that okay? <laughs> I really am ready to see this movie. And Cohen's really ready because he just saw Incredibles 1 for the first time a few uh, months ago. He had been a little too nervous to watch it um, before then. But he is all about the Incredibles. He's got some Incredibles PJs. Um, and, and so we're going to see that. And so we are in the second week of our At The Movies series. And you might be wondering... Uh, how we're going to draw out a message from scripture from a movie that hasn't even been released yet. And I will answer that by saying this, we're going to guess what it's about based on the trailer. That's what trailers are for. And so I think that it has something relevant for us. Um, but like I said, super excited. Uh, and Cohen's really excited. He's at that age where uh, he loves superheroes and he wants to be a superhero. And so at any given moment, he might dress up like a superhero and he will recruit other people if they are with him to also become superheroes. My mom and dad were over a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago and he recruited my dad to be a superhero with him. And he went down and got the full getup. That is an Iron Man suit with a pirate sword and a superhero cape. And my dad has a PJ mask, mask which definitely fits on his head. It absolutely does not. And also uh, a cape. And so he, he'll assign himself a superhero name and a superhero power. And he'll assign you, if you ever wanted to play superheroes with him, a superhero name and a superhero power. And it will be entirely up to him. And you'll go fight whatever he wants to fight. And uh, he'll do this at any time of day, and sometimes the monsters attack too quickly. And you can't get downstairs to put on your full superhero getup. In that case, no worries, you just improvise. And so he did that one morning, and he is just ready to go. <laughs> just <laughs> underwear on the outside of the PJ pants, and you're a superhero. Right, right then and there. But he, he loves to be a superhero. And he loves to um, get to a place where he's imagining that he's saving the world from some imminent danger because we are hardwired for adventure and courage and to rescue people. That's why we're so drawn to superhero movies because it captivates us, this idea that we could go and we could help someone. And now if you haven't seen The Incredibles 1, you should watch it. But if you haven't, let me give you the brief synopsis. The superheroes um, fell from grace. They were... Um, doing their thing, saving the world, and then they started to get lawsuit after lawsuit after they were hurting people when they were saving them. And so the government had to force them into hiding. But then Mr. Incredible, or Bob Parr, if you're not real familiar, uh, he goes on some secret missions to try to defeat these robot alien monster things and goes to bigger and bigger monsters and gets himself in some trouble and the whole family has to come in and rescue them. And the first movie ends with, spoiler alert, the whole family saving the world. We've all seen this movie, right? And so that's where the first movie ends. They just saved the world, and they're kind of adjusting to the new life with the whole family, accepting that they have superpowers, but still nobody wants them to save them. And so we pick up the second movie, seemingly with Elastigirl, or Mrs. Parr, uh, 
having to restore the image of supers in this universe by going and saving people and doing it with a great job. And uh, Mr. Incredible isn't the one who gets tapped on the shoulder to do that, but Mrs. Incredible is going to do that, or Elastigirl is going to do that. And so um, they have this mission to make supers likable again, to give them the permission to go and save people because there are all these people, all these superheroes that have these powers that don't want people to come and save them. And in the first movie, you see Mr. Incredible go into a depression because he can't do what he was literally born to do. He has this super strength and nobody wants him to help them. And so here we sit in 2018, holding on to a gospel message that has power for every person. And if we could get people to understand it, they would be saved from a life that is less than what Jesus has for them. And we sit here and from time to time, culture or the world around us or your friends or your family is like, no, thank you with that. We have all this power that can unlock potential for people. And because of the mistakes of some of our peers or maybe ourselves as we've walked this thing out, people are like, no. But we still have the same mission, to make Christ known in the world, to be his people out in the world, and to show the world that Jesus is for everybody and that he has power for everybody and he has a new life for everybody. And so we are going to look at two implications of the gospel from 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17 through 21. And there's going to be no spoiler alert. Even though we're diving in on an at-the-movies Hollywood-type series, there's no big turn at the end. I'm going to tell you right now what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to look at it in Scripture. The two big implications of the gospel that we're going to see today is that we have been given a new identity to live out a new purpose. That's what it is that we have been transformed by the power of the gospel to go and help other people be transformed by the power of the gospel. And so if you would, will you pray with me as we begin? God, we pray that we will be able to see through our own skepticism, through our own insecurities, through our own doubts and through our own baggage, the heart of what's good about your gospel. We pray that we might be able to see you despite what has happened from time to time in your name that is, that is not yours. We pray that we would be able to see clearly the pure gospel and what you have for us and the mission and the purpose that you have for us. God, we love you. This in your son's name we pray. Amen. And so we're going to, like I said, we're going to really zoom in on uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so if you have a Bible or if you have the Bible app on your phone, um, you can go to that and be reading from the ESV. Um, you can read from whatever you want, but I will up here, we'll be reading from the ESV. And we're going to start um, in verse 17 and go through 21. And it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are made brand new in the gospel. And then we're given this call to go be his ambassadors in the world. And so we have to break this up into two pieces because if you don't break up into two pieces and you don't get first things first, you misunderstand what the second thing is all about. And so first things first, we have to understand that because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he was beaten for our transgressions, because he died the death that we deserve, because he hung on a cross, was put in a tomb and conquered death and rose again, we are given a divine identity. And this is a free gift We have a divine identity. In Jesus, we are made brand new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is so important for us to understand. And we're just going to stay here for just a minute. Because this has to be foundational in your understanding of any action that you do for Jesus. He gave you freely a brand new identity. And he calls you freely, if you would just call his name, also a son and daughter of God, a co-heir with Christ. You have an invitation to the king's table. You have a mission in the kingdom of God. You have royal identity. You have divinity in your blood. You are made brand new. Whatever you think about yourself is no longer true about you. What God thinks about you is true about you. If you accept and understand what Jesus did on the cross for you, there's nothing that you could have done before you accepted Christ that can undo what God says about you once you accept what Jesus has done for you. You cannot erase what is imprinted on you because of what Christ has done for you. You have a divine identity and this is a free gift from Christ on the cross and through his resurrection from the grave. You are a child of God. Period. We have to understand that. You didn't earn it. You can't throw it away if you're continuing to follow him. You just are that through Christ. And everybody is invited to be that through Christ. If you were here last week, Mike hit on this uh, really heavily, and, and we just went through the New Testament. And so if you don't believe Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, maybe look at this from John 15. He calls you a friend. In 1 Thessalonians 1.4, he calls us chosen. In Ephesians 2.10, he calls us his art, handmade. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, he calls us a temple of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3.26, he calls us his children. In Romans 5.8, he calls us greatly loved. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, yes, indeed, he calls us brand new. Time and time again, as you walk through what Jesus has done for us, there is this implication that says that you're not who you were before. You are better than what you were before because of the power of Christ in your life. And this is something that I'm belaboring a little bit because I don't know if you're as thick-headed as me, but I forget this time and time again. In fact, right before I came out here first service, there was this overwhelming sinking insecurity in my mind and in my heart that I'm not good enough to go out and do what I'm about to do. I am not good enough to stand on a stage and talk about Jesus because he is too good and I am very not good. 
to be really descriptive. <laughs> but Jesus. But Jesus rewrites our identity, causes children, causes works of art, meticulously crafted miracles, king, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. That's who we are in him. And so it doesn't matter what insecurity rings loudest in your mind, he calls you chosen. He calls you son or daughter. He calls you perfected. He calls you his craftsmanship. He calls you that. And so it doesn't matter what you call yourself if you're in him. And we have to hold on to that. If you were here uh, last week, there was something that Mike said that just uh, resonated in my heart and my mind um, because we just had a, a baby four weeks ago, uh, Emery. But he, he mentioned this, and so I'm going to wholesale steal this little section. Uh, from, that's Emery. Yeah. I think she's pretty too. Uh, I am going to 100% steal this from Mike's message. If you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, I found all this in May, and it's just great. Uh, and so remember that last week, Mike mentioned that you began when one cell from your mom found one cell from your dad, and each one of those were carrying 23 chromosomes. They merged into one single cell. And when they merged into one, they began to write a brand new DNA code using four characters characters, nucleotides. It began to write out the three billion character description of who you are, written in the language of God. And those three billion characters describe who God ordained you to be. And on each of those three billion characters is God's stamp of approval and divine potential. You are crafted to tell a story of God that only you can tell. You are made meticulously in the image of God to declare his love to the world. And as I held Emery for the first time, you just get overwhelmed with the reality of the potential of a newborn. And I want for her to never doubt, to never doubt who God says she is, to never wonder if she's good enough to live up to her divine calling, to never have any insecurities, to never have any failures or any setbacks, but when she does, to understand that the grace of God is limitless and she can be put right back on the same path. And as you hold a baby for the first time, as I held my baby for the first time as her father, I was just overwhelmed in this realization that I would do anything if she were hurt, to make sure she didn't hurt anymore. I would say anything to clarify her identity if she ever started to wonder about who she was and if she was good enough or not. And I would go to any length to find her if ever she found herself lost. I would do anything. And I am nowhere near the father that God is to all of us. Not even close, not even in the same league. It's like being in Little League and playing against LeBron James right now. You would get destroyed in a comparison because God's love for you is limitless and infinite and he wants you to understand all that you, he has for you. In fact, he died on the cross to make sure that you never had to doubt whether your mistakes and your failures would count you out of his kingdom. He said, I'll bring you back to myself. I'll unlock your potential and I'll give you access to this full life. And so, yeah, we're spending a lot of time on this, but this is the one where we get attacked the most often. You are not less than. You are not too broken to be used by God. You are not too addicted to be freed from those chains of bondage. 
Because Jesus cannot be overcome. He cannot be overwhelmed by our mistakes. He is the finisher of rewriting identity and he wants to transform all of us. We have a divine identity and a divine potential in him. The same God who created the universe, fashioned you, knows your name, and loves you, and he trusts you. It's unbelievable, scandalous even, that people like me and you get invited to the royal family. Maybe it's not so scandalous for you, but with me I can say with certainty, it is not an invitation I deserve. But we get invited in anyway. We don't just get invited to the table to dine, we get sent out with missions of the king. We are his ambassadors. He trusts us. And so we have been given a divine identity to live out a divine calling. And this divine calling takes trust. It takes God believing in you and believing in the work that he can do in your life to say this is what I want you to do. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All of this is from God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then he says, we are Christ's ambassadors. If you think that he doesn't believe in the transformation that he can do in your life, just read 2 Corinthians 5.20 over and over again. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are the billboards declaring the glory and the grace of God and the transformation power of the gospel. We are his evidence to a broken world that broken people don't have to be broken forever because Jesus was broken so that we could be made whole. We are the ones transformed, sent out. It is our transformation that declares the glory and the goodness and the greatness of God. And so the way that we interact in our life declares that God has done something in our life. We are Christ's ambassadors. At home, are your kids met with both discipline and grace that reflects the attitude and the mindset of Jesus? Do you respond to stress at work in a way that makes people curious about what gives you that peace in uncertain times or joy in the midst of stress? Or do you just act like everyone else, usually with gossip? And oh, it's somebody else's fault. Are you responding to life, whatever it throws your way, in a way that prepares the way for the king of the universe to reconcile someone else to himself? We are Christ's ambassadors, as if he were making his appeal through us. As I mentioned earlier, Emily and I had Emery about four weeks ago, and having a, a newborn in the house is an unbelievable gift, a miraculous gift from God, and just a great, great time to be alive, but also it's a little bit like prison. 
because you get this unbelievably short leash. You know, like every, you know, 30 seconds to 10 minutes, there's another poopy diaper. Every couple hours, she needs to eat again. Every so often, she's going to be either awake or very, very asleep. And so you can't go and do a whole lot. There's not a lot of adventuring happening except for helping this precious life survive these first few weeks of life. And you are the primary caregiver and you get to to help with all that, and it is just this wild ride, but a very short leash is given to you, and you don't go very far from your living room or bedroom or nursery or whatever it is. You're just focused on that. But in between, there are some downtimes. And so Emily and I did what any like ultra-hip, adventurous people would do in the downtime, and we would watch HGTV marathons. Right, And so we, we would watch all the shows, Property Brothers, Fixer Upper, Flip or Flop, Flip or Flop Las Vegas, Flip or Flop Nashville. The Flip or Flop franchises really jumped the shark, you know? Uh, but we would watch all these shows and be captivated by all these shows, and we would watch them, and they do some unbelievable, like some crazy things to, to houses on transformation. Anybody else watch HGTV? TV. I love it. I, don't tell anybody. It's kind of embarrassing, but I love it. And so uh, one time they took a house that had half a basement and they're like, you know what this house needs? It needs a whole basement. So they lifted the house up. They dug more ground out, poured the rest of the basement and put the house back down. And I thought I could do that. These shows are terrible because I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah. Emily, you want some shiplap, you know? Uh, and so it's like, what? you should have put the basement in first. Like that's, I'm not a contractor, but like dig the hole before you put the thing on top of where you want the hole. But they did it. And I was fascinated. And I knew that we'd been watching too much HDTV when we were on the way home from visiting uh, grandparents and Cohen said, hey, mama, I was thinking. And Emily said, Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, what's up, buddy? And he was like, hmm, I was thinking that we should take out the wall between the kitchen and the living room and make Emery a playroom. That's like, oh, that's really sweet, bud. Like, you want a playroom for your sister. But I think there's a sneakier motive. I think that he's already thinking, I don't want to share with this little person all my toys. And so she needs her own playroom. Knock out the wall between the kitchen and the living room. But he's said that multiple times. He's really into the knocking down the walls part, which I'm like, me too. You know, <laughs> let's put a basement in. Uh, but all these shows, all these shows, I have one of two thoughts. One is I could do that, which I couldn't. And the second is why not just build new? Like, if you want a house with a basement, it's easiest to start by just digging the basement first, not lifting up a house, pouring a basement, putting a house back down. That seems crazy to me. And now I know that there are realities of the real estate market and overcrowding and economics and whatever, whatever. Fine. That's fine. But I think that the reason that these shows dominate and that there's the same show just in three different cities and that there's the same story just in different, you know, whatever, it's house transformations, I think it's because transformations are captivating. It will hold your attention like nothing else to see something go from old and busted to new hotness, you know? Like, it's just this line of, it's just going to get fixed in this, this wall that had been completely eaten by termites. Yeah, it's now a good wall again. Which brings up, in my mind, like, who's inspecting these houses? You didn't notice that one of the walls was missing because it got eaten by termites? Come on, they noticed that one of my windows didn't seal when I bought... Anyway, 
I digress. We are captivated by transformation. And if you just watch the last 10 minutes of any of those shows, you can tell that you're captivated by transformation because you'll be walking in the room and you haven't seen anything else leading up to it. And they're starting to do the before and after. And you're like, well, I'm not going to leave this room right now and just watch. And the same thing is true in our lives. There can be a before and after dramatic transformation that Jesus has done. That you were once something, and now because of Christ, you're completely something else. That where you used to gossip, and where you used to be angry, and where you used to respond with being unkind, you are now peaceful, and loving, and kind, and patient. And it has no explanation except for the fact that Jesus has entered your life. That you were addicted and now you're completely free. And it has no other explanation except for the fact that Jesus has come into your life. Imagine if on these shows, they did the big reveal. And time after time, the people were like, oh, I don't, mm, I don't like that. Or if they didn't actually fix it. The front door didn't work. You couldn't, you know, turn the handle, the windows fell out when you shut the door. Do you think that they would still have a show? Do you think that it would still be captivating? And so the question I have for all of us is, what do people see when they enter your life? Do they see a dramatic transformation? Do they see even a work in progress? Because a work in progress, we understand, but if you claim to be completely transformed and your door handle doesn't work, whatever, do they see a transformation that is captivating or do they see a work in progress that is captivating because of what God is doing in your life? You and I have been restored by the power and the glory of the king of the universe and we've been made brand new. You were reconciled to Christ and your life should be getting put together bit by bit and people will be captivated by that transformation story. We are Christ's ambassadors, as if he were making his appeal through us. What do people see when they enter your life? Do they see trust in spite of circumstance? This trust in what God will do despite whatever is going on in your life? Do they see a peace that surpasses all understanding? Do they see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Do they see the evidence of God at work in your life so that you can be a signpost for the working of heaven in this world? Or do we just want to hide here? We are Christ's ambassadors. We should go and be evidence of his transformation in the world. He, were, he is making his appeal through us. In our new life, our transformation will captivate people and get them to ask, why are you like that? Why are you the way that you are? And the answer will just be because of Jesus. He is making me something that I couldn't make myself. He's given me a life that I didn't deserve. Will you pray with me? God, we are blown away by what you have for us. And we pray that we might understand scripture enough to go and live it out in front of people.
We pray that our attitudes might be put in check towards your attitude so that we can be in front of people and show them what you can offer a life. God, we pray that you would just continue to transform us so that we can be evidence of your working in this world. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Your next step, if you've never accepted Jesus, is to do that first. Because you can have a new identity, but your new identity comes from Christ. Your new identity comes from the broken body and the bloodshed, which is represented by the crackers and the juice. Your transformation comes in the power of his resurrection from the grave. And so if you want to know about how to find a new life, come and find me after, come and talk to anybody on staff after, we will help you talk about that. But if you have already accepted Jesus and you're being transformed, continue to be transformed by the gospel. Dedicate yourself to studying scripture. Find community, find a group, find people that can hold you accountable to the transformation that will happen in your life as you're following and as you're trusting. Get in a Bible study, get connected and take a next step in understanding more what it means to be transformed by the gospel. And pray this prayer this week. I was talking to Emily about this and she told me that what she does every day and uh, she doesn't know exactly that I'm going to tell you this and so don't tell her even though she's in the room right now. Uh, But she prays every day, God, use me in spite of me. And I think that's an incredible way to start every day. God, use me in spite of me. Put me out there as evidence of your transformation. I will be your ambassador, but you've got to make me good enough and you've got to keep giving me the credentials day in and day out to have evidence of what you can do in your life. And so as you continue to take communion, just pray that prayer. God, use me in spite of me.